Well, good morning. Um, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Scott Rowe. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it's a privilege being able to serve here. And uh, <clears throat> to Krista, I don't know if she's left the building, but oh, there you are. Thank you for letting us in on your intimate time with Jesus. Um, that's how you have to do it here, as if, because there's nobody here. <laughs> it, it's chairs stacked, and it's just odd. It's just different. And, uh, but we get through this one day at a time, and we get through it with Jesus, and that's the main thing. Before we start, I just want to pray for us and for those who are joining in and, and, and listening and watching. Father, we thank you for your presence that is always with us, even in times of, that are, have been shaken, even through this past week. Um, and we thank you that you are the God who, as we say at Christmas, we say your name is Emmanuel. That's what it says in Scripture. And Lord, we, re, we lean back on that day in and day out that you are always with us, even in the midst of anxiety, you are there. And so, Father, we just, we just pray that you would uh, protect us. Lord, help us to be united in, under your name. And, and Lord, as, as has been spoken, be your hands and feet to one another and into our community. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I just want to... Uh, this morning and and starting today, we're going we're on a on a journey, and it's a long journey. And what I need to share with you is um, the Lord has been speaking to me as far as the the church overall, but in particular the vineyard, and has also been speaking to Tab as well. And as we have been talking, we've just there's things the Lord is is just showing us and calling us to. And so you can think of today, um, this morning, as the preface to this journey. And how long is a journey? It's a lifetime, right? It's a lifetime journey. So but as we start, I want to introduce you to two people, and I have to take you back to the 19th century. And their names are Charles Blondin and Harry Colcord. And uh, who they were, who Blondin was, he was a tightrope walker from France. So that's not his real name. That's sort of what you'd call his stage name. And, uh, but he was a famous tightrope walker in the U.S. And uh, the, the, the pinnacle of his tightrope walking came when it was sort of like on his bucket list. He wanted to do a tightrope across the Niagara Gorge between Canada and the U.S., crossing the two countries. And that would be spectacular to do because it's 1,100 feet across. And that's bizarre. You'd never get me up there. Anyway, aside from that, uh, Colcord was his manager. And uh, Blondin did amazing things on the tightrope. Things such as he would do somersaults. He would ride a bike designed for the tightrope. He would even carry a sack of potatoes. He was even known to um, halfway stop and apparently, apparently, fry an egg, eat it, and then continue on afterwards. Uh, just did some bizarre things. But the, the gorge was his most spectacular uh, feats that he would do. And whenever he would do it, the people would cheer, both those who were, when he would start from that one side, and when he arrived at the other side, the crowds there would cheer, oh, how great he was, and all this stuff. And there was one time that uh, Blondin, this is recorded as fact, Blondin said, 
How many believe that I could carry a man across the gorge on my back? <laughs> and everybody said, yeah. And uh, he asked, who, who would like to go first? And it was quiet. Colcord realized that this is something that would be spectacular if Blondin could do it. But the question was, how do we get someone to volunteer to be carried across? And Colcord realized that he would have to be the first one to do that. And so they had a chit-chat. And uh, the next time that uh, Blondin was going to cross the gorge, Colcord stepped up to be the first one to go. And Blondin had three things to say to him. Three things. First thing, Harry, put your full weight on me. The second thing was become one with me. And then apparently he looked him right in the face and said, you gotta trust me. So what was the difference between the fans of Blondin and Colcord? Harry knew Blondin, and Harry trusted him. That was the difference. The fans didn't. They thought it was fantastic, but didn't. This nasty pandemic that we have gone through over the past 10 months and are going through, it's like any hard times that you go through. It has tested all of us, and it has exposed things. In North America, one of the more notable things that has exposed is, is this, uh, the polarization among us. It's almost like people are at two different worlds, three different worlds, seeing different things, perceiving th things differently. And unfortunately, this has also been seen in the church as well, this polarization. And what I saw myself and what I read and various things like that made me ask the question, are we following the same guy? Because <laughs> it did make me wonder that. And with that whole thing about who we're following, I want to take us to the gospel written by Matthew. And he records the account when Jesus was calling, choosing his disciples. And I want to just read two verses from the fourth chapter where Jesus says, or not Jesus doesn't say, but Matthew records, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. Then it goes on, and they left their nets at once and followed him. In the book of Acts, we have Luke wrote Acts, and in chapter 2, Luke records the whole coming of the, of the Holy Spirit on the believers that were gathered in the upper room. And as a result of that, the, the physical manifestation that came out as a result of that was uh, speaking in different languages. And bystanders and onlookers were going, are you guys drunk? And that's when Peter stood up and said, whoa, hold on a second. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, of course we're not drunk. Um, but this, this was prophesied. And then Peter went into a preach 
And uh, he preached for a long time, so Luke records. And, uh, but what Peter was, wanted to tell the people was, he went through Scripture and pointing out that this Jesus who they had crucified, who had been crucified, this Jesus, Scripture prophesied that this Jesus was, gonna, was the Messiah. Peter's message so pierced their hearts that people asked the apostles, asked Peter, what, what, what should we do? And Peter said to them, you need to repent, like change your way of thinking. You need to be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Luke records that that day, 3, 000, about 3,000 decided to become followers of Jesus. And what does it mean when Jesus says to us, follow me? What does that mean? It's a good question. Because here's the thing. We don't, get to decide, we don't get to define what that means. Jesus defines it. The person who calls, who says, follow me, gets to define that. Let me share just a little bit of my own story. Um, grew up in church. Age 12, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Age 16, I was baptized. Age 17, I washed my hands of Christianity. Said I didn't buy it. And at 18, Jesus met me in a phone booth and poured out his love on me. And it wasn't a Superman experience either. <laughs> and that's another story about the whole phone booth thing. But it was then that I became a follower of Jesus. It was then. Now, and since that time, um, I've learned tons about Jesus, right? I, I know the Bible fairly well. Uh, I've, I know theology. Um, I know church history. I can tell you the key doctrines of the Protestant faith, and in particular, the evangelical stream. I go to church, <laughs> obviously, and I'm part of a small group. And other things. But here's what I want you to know. This past year, I have been taking time to think deeply of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to re-examine that. And time and time again, as I am reading the Gospels, the words, follow me, it's like, a, it's like this pulsating red light on the dashboard of your car. It doesn't go away. It's just there, right? Wanting to get you, getting my attention. And as I talk to God about this, I just keep getting the sense that God is saying to me, basically, will you let me carry you on my back across the gorge? In other words, I, what it feels like is Jesus saying, do you trust me? It's intriguing, but it also makes me a little nervous, especially when, it's coming, when the question's coming from Jesus. Right? And many times as I, as I have sat quietly with Jesus and listening, pondering this, I hear questions come at me. And I know, and when it's just a question without an answer, I know it's, I know it's the Holy Spirit trying to, is wanting me to think deeply. Think deeply. But questions such as, do you know that I'm serious about what I teach, Scott? Questions like, do you believe I am life and that you can live this same life now, like right now? Do you believe that? 
Do you know my words aren't tweets and memes and quotable quotes? They are life. They are the very words of life. These are the questions that gets that just come through to my mind and, and, and go deep into my heart that I'm still pondering. And it's like Jesus is saying, will you hop on my back and trust me? Will you hop on my back and follow me? Like, really? And here's the thing, because I know Jesus, I am intrigued. (laughs) Anyone else, it would be, hold on. That's what it would be. And what I've come to learn is that following Jesus is way more than just saying I follow Jesus. It's way more than that. Now, what following is not? And there's other things you could add to this, but let me share a few of the things that I believe what following is not. It's not just a decision. The decision is the beginning of it, but that's not what is entailed in following. Following is a way, it's your life becoming a new way of life. It's embracing a new way of life. Like it wasn't good enough for Harry just to say, yeah, Blondin's the best. He had to prove it. (laughs) He had to walk it. He had to get on Blondin's back and go over that gorge. And I don't don't have a clue how Harry did that. Not a clue (laughs) because I wouldn't have been able to do it. Following is not church membership. (laughs) Seriously, it isn't. It isn't. Church membership is church membership, but it's not following. Following is not getting your PhD in divinity, you know, a doctor of divinity or your theology degree. That's not following. Amassing knowledge of, about Jesus isn't, isn't following. Harry could have studied what typewrite walk, walking was all about. Couldn't appreciate it until he got on Blondin's back, right? What is following? Following is giving permission to Jesus that you can lead my life. That's following. Following is being open to rethinking, which is part of repenting. When Jesus says, turn to me, it's rethinking how I live my life. It's it's taking on a posture that is teachable. It is also, I give permission to Jesus to reshape how I think, how I perceive, how I see other people and how I speak. That's following. It's taking on the life of Jesus. Now, how do I know if I'm actually following? Good question. (laughs) These are good questions to ponder. We're going to have lots of time to think about these. One of the things I need to do is to pay attention to my thoughts and how I respond to situations in my life. I do. I try to do that. I've had conversations with Jesus. Jesus, why did this make me so angry right now? What's behind all that? I've asked. Or why am I so frustrated? Or even like this morning when I first got up, my question to Jesus is, why do I have this feeling of anxiousness? What what is that? 
and allowing Jesus to speak to me about that. How do I know if I'm following? Who gets to speak into my life? Who do I allow to speak into my life? Now, I can listen to other people and weigh what what it is they are saying. That's fair. But I don't give them freedom to speak into my life. That I don't do. (laughs) I weigh what it is they say. Because speaking into my life means you have permission to reshape my life, to reshape how I perceive, how I think, how I act. Speaking of that, I want you to listen to me. (laughs) But you need to not just take in everything I say, but talk to Jesus about it. And ask Jesus, are these words of life? Are these words that I can embrace? Are these words that you want me to carry with me throughout my days? Who do I allow to speak into my life? And finally, what I would put down as another is, am I developing and growing towards becoming a better person, a better, you know, do my words, do my words breathe life into people? Do my actions breathe life into people? Or do I suck life out of people? And usually if you ask some of the people that you're closest to, they'll tell you. Ask your spouse, ask your kids, they'll tell you. But that's how you know you're following because there's this transformation that's taking place. Well, one of the things I want you to know and I want you to realize this morning or whenever it is you're, you're watching this right now is I sense this call to follow very strongly. But I want to make it clear today that this call is also for all of us who call the Cambridge Vineyard our faith community. It's for all of us. And we are going to re-examine our followership of Jesus. But more than that, we are going to get to know him intimately because it's then that we will trust whatever he is calling us to be, to think, to perceive, to act towards one another. You may be asking, Scott, why, why this, why now? Which is a good question to ask. Well, as you know, when you apply stress or pressure to anything, it reveals its strength. It's, good, it's, like it's a good thing to have pressure applied, but it also reveals weaknesses, cracks, leaks, you know, where, there, where, there, where there's something that is not quite what it should be. Pressure does that. And the church has been under quite a bit of pressure this past year. And the call to us, the call to us, to me, remember who we are following. Remember who you are following, Scott. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Remember who you are following. Unfortunately, the message that is coming from the church, and I'm talking about the broader church, is not a consistent message of faith and hope and love. It, it isn't. It has, it has, it has a, um, the sound is dissonant. It's, it's out of harmony. This past year has revealed some cracks. And, and, and it's not just me that's noticing this. Churches all over are noticing this. Church leaders are noticing this. And many churches are going back to the drawing board going, what's, 
what have we been up to? What have we been doing? Right? Many have been looking at this. And I, what I wonder for myself and for us as a church and, 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 in, and throughout the world, and particularly North America, if, if it's that we're listening to, not, not just listening to other voices, but we're allowing those voices to speak into our lives, to reshape how we think and see. Because I've, I've wondered if that is going on. For the past 10 or 15 years, social media has um, become a very prominent part of our culture. Uh, everybody has a phone, just about. I don't know, I, in fact, I can't, I don't know if I know anybody who doesn't have a phone. That's the thing, right? And there's great aspects of social media, it's great. It keeps people connected. You have access to the internet at your fingertips. Anybody, everybody does. It allows us to, to, to share our thoughts, to share our celebrations, things we're going through in life. It keeps us connected. And, and for the church, it's allowed us to reach people that we, we had never been able to do before. This is a first for the church, and it's fantastic to see how things are being used with this new technology. There's also a dark side. Well, there's a dark side to everything, right? depending on how it gets used. We all know that the social media machine, I call it a machine, is wired to feed you what you click on. You click on it, they'll give you more of that, right? It's designed and it's wired to get your attention. That's, that's how it works. It doesn't want you to forget about it. It wants you to... Keep clicking, keep clicking, keep looking. That's how it's set up. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, it has a potential, strong potential to dominate my time. Hours can just slip by if I'm not paying attention. But here's the truth. Before you know it, it's social media that is discipling me. It's social media that is discipling you, that is reshaping how you think and how you see the world. That's a danger, guys. That's a serious danger. Now, here's the interesting thing. When Jesus extends to us to come, follow me, now, there's a lot of people that want you to follow them, right? They want you to click follow. They want you to do that. But the, the sweet thing about Jesus is that he's not interested in likes or, or being clicked on. Jesus isn't going, hey, just hit that subscribe button, if you would, please. Jesus doesn't do that. He'll never promise you three steps to an easy life, because that's bogus, right? That's bogus. What he does realize is the world that you live in. He does realize the challenges you face day to day, the temptation to take the path of least resistance to various things in life. But what he does promise, though, is life that's to the full, that is infinite, that is rich and deep in love like you've never experienced it. And most importantly, he promises to be with you. 
in all circumstances like a friend that you've never had before. It's a life like you've never experienced. And you know what the truth is? We all want it. We want it because there's times we'll get glimpses of, of a life that is, that is rich and deep. We'll see it in the actions of, of two people who extend love or help other people. What Christine was sharing there in her video testimony about just the privilege it is to serve other people. You get these glimpses of love and you know that your heart, because your heart comes alive, right? Your heart quivers. <laughs> That's the only thing I, but the, your, your heart moves when it sees it. Here's the thing. Jesus loves you. Jesus desires the best for you. And Jesus has a life for you, for me. If only we would trust him. Are you interested? If so, Jesus requires three things of you and three things of me. Those three things are, put your full weight on me. Become one with me. Trust me. And he's serious. Very serious. And that's the journey we're going to embark on. Let me pray. Father, Lord, we just, we just pray right now to you. We ask you, Father, if you would come. Lord, you know our... We tend to be more like Blondin's fans. Yay, Jesus. Yay, you. Yay. That's what we tend to. That's what I tend to. It's safer that way. But God, deep in our hearts, we want to hop on your back and do life your way. We know, God, that you have the words to life, the words that, that give hope and peace and, and joy. That's what we want. That's what we long for. And so, Father, I pray for us that, Lord, that as we lean towards you, we know, Lord, would you please lean towards us? Lord, we ask, Lord, would our hearts connect with your heart? Would we long for the things that you long? Lord, would you begin to transform us more and more into your image? Because, Lord, as your church here on earth, we are the hands and feet for many people in this world, we are the only Bible people will ever read. And Lord, we want to echo, we want, we want to mirror you in everything we do, in our actions, in our words, in all our ministries and programs, whatever we do in our workplaces, in our lives, in our neighborhoods, we want to be you there. And so, Father, we just say, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, as we lean into you. Again, Lord, we ask, lean into us. And for those of you who may be, who may be listening and, and have never, you've seen Jesus from the side, Jesus is speaking to you this morning, today. And Jesus is saying, hey, I got a life for you. 
that you've never experienced before. It will lead to truth. It will, I will lead you to my Father. And you will have life and have it to the full. And so I pray that this morning, today, if you're hearing, if you're watching this, that you will make that decision to follow Jesus, to become a follower. Make that decision. Take that step. Join with us as a church family, because that's what we're doing. We're, just, we're trying to follow Jesus. Or join with another church to follow Jesus in this journey, because it is life-giving. I bless you that the joy of Jesus would just overwhelm you. Have a great day and the rest of the week. Amen.